and there'll be a talk and there'll be a discussion. Uh, please find a posture that works for you where you can sit upright, whether you're on a cushion or a bench or a chair. Helps to be on your sits bones, if at all possible. And so there's uh, an uprightness in the back that comes from the base of the spine. And then establishing mindfulness of the body sitting here, both in terms of the posture and any sensations in your body as you sense your whole body sitting here. We want to be aware of whatever's in the foreground in terms of your body, the posture. Or the heat or coolness of the body. or the places of contact where your rear end is touching the chair or the cushion or the bench or where the clothes are touching your skin. Or the places where you're hands are touching or your lips are touching one another. Starting to immerse your consciousness in the somatic, kinesthetic, energetic reality of your body sitting here. So that our energy is to be here in this moment of life. And of course, with the body, we're often aware that the body is moving even as we sit. 
And that movement is characterized by our breath. and making whatever effort is needed to bring yourself here, to bring yourself into your body and your presence. And you could be aware of the whole body or some part of the body or the movements of the body the sensations of the body. Letting your effort be guided by your knowing of the meditative process. And if you're new or newer to meditation, you could simply be with the breathing. And it's very helpful to establish an embodied awareness, an embodied presence. And if that feels stable, then at any point in the meditation, you could open the space of awareness to be aware of whatever is predominant whatever is in the foreground of your consciousness, being mindful of your, the process of thought or feelings or emotions or sounds or smells or sights. Noticing how life is displaying itself here 
when we make the simple effort to be present and aware. It's very freeing to learn how to be aware of our body, our breath, and the process of thought. How thoughts just appear and sustain for a while and then change or disappear all by themselves. And the same is true for emotions or feelings or moods. And we want to begin to establish the capacity to abide in awareness itself. Abiding in that which knows And if you ever feel confused or not clear where to go, you, can, you have two choices. You can be aware of being confused or you can stay very close to the body and the breathing. Very simple, happening every moment that we're here. and cultivates a sense of simplicity, a presence of composure, samadhi. And if you're staying with the body and the breath, See if you can stay very close to each in-breath. And then the out-breath. And then the next in-breath. And then the next out-breath. Either way, being mindful of the body and the breathing, or being mindful of whatever phenomena arises in the space of awareness. Beginning to become intimate with the human experience of being alive, right here, right now.
And of course, that intimacy will include being aware of any reactions we have to what's here, liking it, not liking it, judging ourselves, not judging ourselves. Staying very present and aware of However, life is displaying itself here, moment by moment by moment.
announcement before the talk. Um, I won't be here next week. Don Neal, old friend, good teacher, Don Neal will be here. Don has taught here many times over the years and has been part of SFI many years ago. Um, she's a chaplain, a Buddhist teacher, and um, does a lot of different, facilitates a lot of different ways as a coach and scholar faith groups and she'll be teaching so join her she's good and uh, let's see so I've been I wasn't here last week Am was here I've been going through the eightfold path and we're at the sixth limb of the path we're at uh, right effort or right energy or right enthusiasm and I like to remind everybody, right means that which brings us in accord with the truth, right? Uh, yeah. And so, and it's the beginning of the lab, um, right effort, right mindfulness, right samadhi, right concentration. And it's the contemplative basket and it's one of the pieces that's emphasized both in the contemplative, the live daily practice also. And so, um, so I was uh, uh, listening to somebody talking about right effort and they were realizing the kind of effort that's needed to stay with the breath for a half a breath. Right, that's that was right effort that they were emphasizing. It was very, it was very sweet to me and and fun because of course, it's fun to stay very very close to the beginning of the in breath, the middle of the end breath, the end of the uh, in breath, and then the beginning of the out breath, the middle of the out breath, the end of the out breath. They they were on t on retreat teaching this, so it's more. Um, there's more samadhi often on retreat for that kind of specificity of staying so intimate. But it's possible even in daily practice if you focus on it and play with it and, and bring up the energy to get interested in, oh, is that do this? Is it doable? And then what? And... Um, yeah, so right effort, energy, enthusiasm is a nice also used. And it really it's about how we meditate, how we awaken, how do we, what kind of effort or energy or enthusiasm does it take to act skillfully or to embody our awakening moment by moment, even when we're not sitting. And that's usually a big cutting edge for all of us that I think is one of the most and interesting parts of practice is really seeing how do we practice now when we're not dating? And then what kind of energy is, does it take to be aware of not just ourself, but the outer world? So being mindful both internally and externally. <clears throat> It said, with sustained effort, 
with sustained effort and sincerity, discipline and self-control, the wise become like island which no flood can overwhelm. With sustained effort and sincerity, discipline and self-control, the wise become like islands which no flood can overwhelm. And so it's a certain power that we develop, the power of right energy or effort or enthusiasm even. It's a certain uh, capacity we can develop and build over time. And uh, it also, in, I'm gonna give a little more context about virya is the word that's translated as uh, effort, virya. And um, it's also used, uh, refers to the power of a warrior to overcome one's enemies, right? And it is the same root. Virya has the same root as vigor and virility. And um, yeah, means energy, dilig diligence, enthusiasm, exertion, vigor, all those kind of terms. And the Abhidharma, one of the great, you know, components of the teaching, they say, what's virya? Virya is the mind being intent on being active, devoted, unshaken, and not turning back and being indefatigable, indefatigable, uh, you know, realizing one, a mind, a heart, mind, heart that perfects, realizes that which is conducive to the positive. And it has to do with us doing what we know, even what you do, everybody knows about effort. You're all using effort and you're all learning how to refine your, your effort or develop it or mature it uh, like a muscle that we use. And of course, I think of the different ways and I hope you also think about the different ways you use your effort or your energy or your enthusiasm to wake up, whether it's in Buddhism or in whatever you might care about or be attracted to or devoted to, whether it's history or gardening or cooking or painting or dancing or yoga or, you know, I, of course, I think about when I was a musician, I was so enthusiastic and devoted, even though I was a bad musician. And so I just, and, but I was devoted, so I practiced eight hours a day because I loved music. And I knew that slowly I would get better. Believe me, it was slow for me. And I did get better. And I developed so many skills that I was interested in based on that kind of devoted energy, that kind of devoted enthusiasm. And it doesn't mean an enthusiasm. I'll talk about that a little bit later, but it's, it's a beautiful word. Um, uh, virya can also be aroused by, uh, or can be aroused with samvega. Samvega is another word I like about, it means spiritual urgency, spiritual urgency. And of course, in the, in the Satipatthana, mindfulness of the body includes the meditation on death, right? And meditate, one reason it's in there, I believe, I don't know exactly what the Buddha thought, but partly because it's part of the truth 
that wakes up our urgency to, to wake up ourselves. Like we're not gonna be here forever. Can we realize the truth now here in this life and how can we realize it? And what kind of energy is needed or effort or what kind of passion or enthusiasm is needed? This is a quote from Ramana Maharshi, who was one of the great saints of the last century. Ramana, he said, enlightenment is not your birthright. It's an interesting quote. Enlightenment is not your birthright. Those who succeed do it through proper effort. And if you know anything about Ramana Maharshi, he got interested in spirituality when he was 17. And he, he went to his uncle's house and he wondered what would it be like to die? And he laid down and died. And, or, you know, I don't know what exactly happened, but he decided to act as if he was gonna die. And so he laid down and he died and he woke up and it's just an odd, and he made an effort to see what would happen if he died. And it's an interesting practice one can do you know, I've done it. You just lay down and pretend you're going to die and then see what happens. Because generally, I don't think you just do by thinking you're going to die or pretending, which is what I was doing. But it is an interesting um, piece to see because you get, you get this some vague of the urgency. Oh, I'm really not going to be here forever. That's true. And so it, it starts to wake something up that is, I think, really good. So virya, it's also in Buddhism and some of the, some of the different um, streams of Buddhism, it's associated with courage and physical strength. It's cultivate, been cultivated by Buddhist guardians and the Shaolin monks cultivated it, virya. Right, and it, it was not only physical strength that it was it was related to, but it signified a kind of strength of character and a persistent effort in terms in the service of the well-being of others. Also, it's really part of the bodhisattva path, right? The persistent effort and well-being of others. And Stephen Batchelor is the, the fellow friend who uses the word enthusiasm, which is just a really beautiful word because I believe we're all enthusiastic about the Dharma. I don't, I don't think you would be here if you didn't have, have some enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, intense and eager enjoyment, interest, a thing that arouses feelings of intense um, um, uh, will, uh, religious uh, fervor, supposedly resulting directly from divine inspiration. It's part of enthusiasm It's in the dictionary, right? Typically involving, you know, really feeling the, the life of God in you in that way, the divine inspiration. And it comes from the Greek. And uh, inthos means possessed by a God. And I, I believe we all are a little possessed by something. I mean, you know, it is, right, Sunday night, and here you are, 
right? You're enthusiastic enough. You've made the effort to come here. And I mean, you know, it's, it's great, but you could do a million other things, right? Read a book or watch TV or take a walk. Or, you can't do a million other these days, especially because I believe we're going back into COVID-19 shutdown. So, but that's not till 12 o'clock tonight. So you can still go out until then. Might be 10 o'clock. Don't, don't quote me on that, right? But uh, traditionally, um, um, right effort really had to do with abandoning the unskillful and, um, uh, and learning how to uh, let go of the unskillful consistently and develop and nourish the skillfulness of what's here, of what's sitting here. And of course, I'm pointing at each of you, my, how to develop each of you, whoever you are, how to develop the skillfulness of your awareness of your kindness, of your objectivity, of your discernment, of your clarity, of your love, to really keep um, um, uh, developing that and then learning how to sustain a life based on those components of who and what you are, who and what we all are. Hmm. Shante Deva described virya as a passion. Shanti Deva described virya as a passion. He said, um, one should be addicted to the task that one is undertaking. Addicted to the task that one is undertaking. One should be intoxicated by that task. Insatiable, like someone hankering for the pleasure and fruit of love play. Right? So this is, this is uh, not exactly a monastic version, but he was... Uh, a monk, he was a, a Bodhi, great Bodhisattva, Shantideva, talking about um, the kind of passion and dedication and love and, and desire and following through with what we care about. And Part, part of the way to keep cultivating one's effort and energy is to see what do we aspire for to, what do we care about? What do we long for? And to also recognize our confidence when we care about something, like when we're sure, when we get it, like, oh yeah, this is important to me. There's a kind of confidence in that knowing, and then discerning what's needed to make it happen. And it doesn't mean you immediately know. Part of discernment is knowing what we don't know also. It's one of the great components of discernment is both knowing and not knowing. And of course, especially with any practice, it's knowing how to rest or relax or even let go of what we're uh, efforting to do in order to come back to it and re-engage more skillfully. You know, they, uh, in the text, they always use the example of how you tune a stringed instrument, right? You don't want to tune it so it's too tight, right? Because it won't sound right. And if you keep tuning too tight, you'll break the string. 
And if you tune it too loose, it won't sound good either. You want to tune it just right. And the trick is you have to retune it every time you play. It doesn't just say stay in perfect tune. Part of what one learns about right effort, it's not a thing, it's a process. And you wanna see how much or how little or how firm or how relaxed is needed. How do you balance the effort? Hmm. Um, often we're conditioned to think of effort as goal striving or filled with hard work and sweat where real effort is uh, a balance, very perfectly balanced, skillful balance of endurance, energy, enthusiasm, grace, dignity. And I'll throw in relaxation, like how to be active and relaxed, how to be fierce and relaxed at the same time. And the image, uh, one image that's used is seeing an eagle soaring, like, or if you see a great hawk here in San Francisco soaring, they're just so graceful. And yet they make a lot of effort. And, and yet they're also just being themselves. They're learning that capacity, right? And again, like artists or musicians or athletes, also great athletes often look like they're not doing anything and they're very at ease. And yet they're, they're, they're going full speed or they're running. If you've ever seen a great runner, they're just beautiful how they move. And partly they've, they've learned how to use their tool, their body, and we want to do the same thing with the meditation practice is learn how to do it so that we can do it fiercely or very vigorously and relaxed at the same time. Right. Charlie Parker, the great jazz musician, he said, first perfect your instrument, then just play. First perfect your instrument then just play. And if you've ever seen Charlie Parker play, it's good to see the videos of him and hear it because uh, I didn't know so much about him. He, I wasn't so interested when I was younger, but in the, in the documentary on jazz, there was a lot about Charlie Parker and he was just phenomenal. And he was so relaxed and so outside the box and so he was not passive, he was active and totally relaxed at the same time. Hmm. Ramajan Chai says, proper effort is not the effort to make something particular happen. It is the effort to be aware and awake in each moment, the effort to make each activity of our day a meditation. And that's now he's talking on the non-meditative side, on the daily life side. And that's, that's the perfect instruction. I really, I shouldn't even say anything else because he's so saying it so well. How, and the question is, the, the play of it is, the fun of it is, oh, how do we make 
doing what we need to do a meditation? How do we make shopping a meditation? How do we make washing the dishes a meditation? How do we make COVID-19 a meditation practice? Because we're inside now again. How do we make, I see it here. I mean, it, it, everything becomes a practice. Cleaning the house becomes a practice. Cleaning my bathroom, you know, uh, becomes a practice. Of course, I get to trade off with my wife, which is nice, so I don't have to do it every time. But, but still, uh, you know, the things that need to be done, right? How do you make that a practice? How do you stay very aware, present, embodied when you need to do it? How do you do it right now while you're listening? How do you make it a practice? And of course, for me, how do I do it while I'm speaking? And it's really, uh, you know, and of course, when we're sitting, it's how do we work with our thoughts or our feelings or the sensations? How do, what, what kind of effort or energy or enthusiasm is needed to stay present even when we're uncomfortable in the sitting or even when what's, what we want to be happening is not happening? Hmm. I've been reading the book Cast. How many people have read the book or know the book Cast? A few, okay. I highly recommend it. Great, great, great Dharma. Yeah, Nina just picked it up and put it, pick it up again, Nina. People can see you if, they, if they're on the gallery. She's got the book. It's so powerful and it's so hard to read because it's so painful, right? So it's not, it's, it's such a strange mix that I have reading the book, I'm about halfway through, um, is of, of how great it is and how horrendous it is, what she's describing in terms of racism in this country in detail. She's very precise. She's very clear. She's a brilliant writer and historian, and she really she's real and uh, it's hard to read but it's really so good to see oh this is the truth of what happened right both in terms of slavery and the Jim Crow South and then the modernization of slavery in terms of the of the prison employment industry and things like that mm. And so the practice for me when I'm reading it, oh, can I actually just stay with myself when it's so upsetting or it's so, you know, I weep. I just weep because it's, it's just unbelievable how horrendous human beings are to one another and have been and are still being in the world, right? It's not like this is all over. Mm. So effort in terms of COVID-19, how are you gonna practice now? How are you gonna go back? Cause you've already done one round of, of serious COVID-19, right? You can't go out and we're not supposed to talk to anybody or you know even get close and things like that. And, and it got looser for a while. And a lot of people acted like it was over and we all want it to be over. But now here it is again, 
So how can we do it? And, and how to do it given your circumstances, right? If you're with family, if you're with children, if you're alone, they, they all have their own particular difficulties. And the effort that's needed to sit every day, that's one of the most simple efforts I would encourage all of you to make sit every day no matter what just do it you know nike follow nike's advice just do it and see what happens because it's supportive and you know and to reflect for yourselves right um where do you make too much effort in your life where do you work too hard where do you make too little effort in your life? What needs more effort in order for it to become harmonious? Right? What does effort mean to you? How, does, how can your effort bring you in alignment with the truth, both in terms of meditation and in terms of daily life? What? What kind of effort is needed to open your heart and mind? What kind of effort is needed to take care of your heart and mind? What kind of effort is needed to take care of your body, right? My, uh, I might have said this, maybe I didn't, my CrossFit closed, right? And so I'm, I'm grieving my CrossFit place, which was open online for a lot of COVID-19 and then even opened outside for a while. So I was going outside and working out, which is a really great way for me to take care of my body. And it's also a community I became part of over the last five years of really good people. And I'm sad, I'm bereft that it's gone. And, you know, and now I've got to keep doing my own thing. I still need the right effort to take care of my body because bodies need to be taken care of just like hearts and minds need to be taken care of. Mm. Yeah, so a few last thoughts. What kind of effort enthusiasm do we need to meditate, to meditate every day, to see the truth of what's here even now, even with the, you know, shutdown again of COVID-19. What kind of energy is needed to deal with the difficulties, the obstacles, the hindrances, both in terms of sitting and in, in real life? And then I'll end with a quote we sent out from Dogen. He said, realization, neither general nor specific, is effort without desire. Clear water all the way to the bottom, a swim, a fish swims like a fish. Vast sky, transparent throughout, a bird flies like a bird. Realization, neither general nor specific, is effort without desire. Clear water all the way to the end, Oh, excuse me, clear water all the way to the bottom. A fish swims like a fish. 
vast sky transparent throughout, a bird flies like a bird. He's describing more of a non-dual right effort of just letting ourselves be and being aware with, of whatever is here with kindness and awareness and care. So those are some of my thoughts for tonight about right effort. I'd love to hear from you. Any questions, comments, reactions, epiphanies? disagreements. Please uh, raise your hand with uh, the button. Remember, if you want to chat with me, you need to raise your hand, go to the participants. I don't tend to read the chats while I'm teaching. switch to speaker view. There you are. Hi. Hi. So I wasn't going to ask you a question because I'm tired, but um, I just, I had this thought and I have a question for you that you, I don't know if it will be, you want to answer it, but I've often thought about this, you know, about your accident mm -hmm. and how you came back from your accident. And like, I don't know, I, I think it can be really inspiring to hear about you know, like I think about what happened to your body and I you know I saw you at various times as you were coming back into the, into the Sangha. Mm -hmm. And I find it phenomenal that you're doing CrossFit, for example, you know, <laughs> seriously. And, um, it's true. you know, or, yeah. um, and just your meditation practice, like all of it, cause I'm struggling with all of that myself right now, taking care of my body, taking care of my practice. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious about that. So sure, I'll speak about it a little, you know, like uh, CrossFit specifically. When I went to CrossFit, it was like I had no muscle tone. I could barely do anything they were telling me to do. But I could, but what was so nice about the community at CrossFit was the teachers would always downgrade the instruction depending on what you could do, right? And that's a good lesson for all of us about our own practice. Always, if you can't do it, downgrade. If you can't sit 45 minutes a day, sit 30 minutes. Can't sit 30 minutes, sit 20 minutes. Can't sit 20, sit 10. You know, keep, do what's doable and build from there. And that's really what happened. I mean, I couldn't believe, I, you know, I was like, 
what the hell am I even doing here? I can barely pick up a weight because my body had lost so much tone, body tone. And, um, and, but even, even before that, the effort that was needed, you know, I live on the third story of a building, right? I could barely walk up and down the stairs, right? After the accident. And so I would, I would, you know, it's just I'd hold, I'd have to hold on to the railing because I didn't have, I'd lost balance and I lost stability. And so just slowly, slowly, slowly. And then, you know, and just things like that. And of course I had the good fortune to have a lot of help and kindness and care, uh, but still it sucked. It's not fun to have those kind of accidents at all. And also I'd never had any big accident in my life with my body, right? Like my body had always worked fine and worked well and it was not working well after, right? And then even when, I mean, this is the odd paradox, right? Then it worked well. I got back on the bike, I started riding, all good. And then I had another fall, right? So then first I broke one side of the body, then the other, right? And But I learned from the dukkha because what else are you going to do? And, and then, you know, so I learned how to, take better and better and better care of my body. And I have the good fortune where I can do that, where I could go be part of CrossFit. And, um, you know, and I just still keep doing, I still keep dealing with the body and the accident. It's not over. I just got some, some treatment from a doctor that's been helpful. And she said, oh yeah, you had this, these two accidents. They never healed properly. Now we can, we can work with trying to help them heal properly. She's the first person who really got it at this point. Because everybody thinks, oh, you're fine. And, you know, yeah, I'm, I am fine, but I'm not. But my body's not fine, right? I still deal with pain and difficulty from the accident. So there's a few thoughts about it. Thank you so much. It's helpful. Yeah, so, and being really kind to yourself, right, is really, really, really important because we're not in control. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen, right? Okay. Anybody else? It's a quiet group tonight, huh? Hey, Rudy. Hi, Rudy. Please unmute. Yeah, hi, hi. Okay, there you are. Um, um, the only um, thing I know to do as far as keeping my body fit is to... Um, go to the gym uh -huh. and I haven't been to the gym. I haven't been to the gym since the restrictions started in March. Yeah. And um, so I'm wondering uh, whether CrossFit would 
be good for me. Whether what? I'm wondering what, whether this CrossFit that you mentioned would be good for me as well. It might, it might be, but my CrossFit closed totally because they haven't made any money in nine months and they can't afford to stay open and pay people. So they closed. But what you, what you might check out is to see online what's available. That's what I'm doing. It's I'm looking around to see what's available online and then how to, what can you do that either doesn't take weight, like push-ups and sit-ups, but also, I mean, even books. Yeah. They, you know, people are talking about taking books and doing this, like a pile of books and pressing them and things yes. like that. And, and, and also bands. Yeah. Do you know about bands? Like bands. Rock oh, um, elastic, elastic. Yeah. Yeah, elastic. Elastic, elastic bands. Yes, and using those, like I just found somebody who's doing that in the park and I'm trying to see about joining them. Okay. Okay, so, you know. I can. Yeah. Yeah, but, and good, because it's good to keep taking care of your body. Okay, yeah, thanks. Sure. Does anybody have, no, there's no problems with right effort? <laughs> that was good, Allison. <laughs> okay, now we have Don. I assume it's Don, but. You're not. absolutely right. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I just ended up thinking about the notion of. Um, how our critic can kind of run amok when it comes to right effort and we just totally beat the, the tar yeah. out of ourselves like, oh, we're not doing it enough or we're doing it, you know. Right. The notion of like um, uh, allowing that in can really screw stuff up. That does not help actually. It's, it's, it's not true, the critic. I mean, if you're not doing it, you want to discern why aren't you doing it? Well, what do you need to do? What will support your doing it, right? The critic is just yelling at you. That's not what's needed. We've all had parents. We don't need any more parents. <laughs> we, we really, we need to really see for ourselves what's true and what's helpful and what's needed. And that's, that's a much more objective way to think about it. Okay, so get rid of that critic. Fuck the critic. <laughs> oh, that's right. Fuck the critic. <laughs> okay. Seema. Please unmute yourself. Okay. Hi, Eugene. Hi, everybody. Um, I've been working with right effort, um, almost like lifting heavy weights. Mm -hmm. It has to do with my job. I'm, I work at a call desk. Um, you where? I work at a call desk, help desk. 
people call in and ask me questions about where they can find services that are taking care of a family member. Got it. Thank you. All over the country, 50 states. Uh-huh. And, you know, what? the job is okay. I work half-time. It's not a half-time job. It's a full-time job. But because of COVID, the calls have been coming in and coming in and coming in. Yes. I found myself having a two and a half month waiting list on the calls about a month ago where people were, I was calling people from July and August and I was starting to feel like if I didn't do something, I was going to have a meltdown. I was going to start screaming at people. My work was horrible. I was going to quit. I was all sorts of things. I get very catastrophic and I had the thank goodness for practice, right? this thought came to me is why don't I treat this job as practice, as my practice? I, you know, I mean, it is my practice whether I think of it or not, but that's where my thoughts went. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was like two, three weeks ago. And I still struggle with it and I still get angry, but slowly I've been getting calmer. I've been figuring out, okay, if two and a half month waiting list, I can't do anything about that. Just call them back. And I've been, I stopped losing my mind. Is what oh, happened. That's, that's great. Really. That's great. What you're saying. Cause it's so simple. What yeah. you're saying. And it's so clear. And it's so how we don't usually think, right? That's we right. Think, oh my God, it's two and a half months or a month behind or whatever. And it's bad. And so the judgment comes in and then the reaction to it, yeah. what will other people think of me and what, how I'm doing the job or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, right. and, and you're not in control of how many people are going to call. Nope. And so all any of us can ever do is the best we can. And I trust that you're doing the best you can. Yeah. And you want to be able to see that you're doing the best that you can. So you can be kind to yourself in a difficult job. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you're dealing with dukkha, like for real. You know? Yeah. 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 You're reminding me of a friend of mine I talked to who's a lawyer and also a Buddhist teacher. And he was telling me about his, what it's like to spend eight hours a day writing a brief right? Mm. He tends to dis- defend people who haven't, couldn't afford lawyers and stuff like that. And so he good, does good work and it's difficult. And, and, we, and so we're, we were talking about how do you make it a practice? Same question. And it's not easy. Uh-uh. It's, he said that he, he starts to lose his mind, like you're saying, and he just gets like, it's too much. And so we kept talking about how to, how to, um, uh, how to pause in the middle of being busy and doing a lot. And yeah. So. Um, and that it's okay to pause. It's okay, totally. It's okay to pause. What, what yeah. you need to, yes. and you'll do your work better. Mm-hmm which then helps more people. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Keep breathing. Mary, please unmute yourself. Mary Greeny. Hi, hi, thank you. Um, Wait, I'm not hearing Mary. Oh, sorry, hold on. 
little louder, Mary. Hold on. Um, yeah, I'm holding on. Sorry. Is it working now? That's better. Yeah. Any better? Yeah, yeah, much better. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Um, I um, I don't have a clear question, and I'm I'm new to understanding any of the concepts. Okay. But in terms of right action, this is not right action. Right effort. Right effort. Yeah, there are two different parts of the eightfold path. Right okay. And right effort. Yeah. Right effort. Okay. Sorry, I'm I'm not going to sound appropriate. I. Um, good. Good to relax, even if you're not clear. Thank you. Yeah. Um, effort. Effort. Um, any, I, I don't know the distinction between the terms, but any volition will, yes, and I yes, know there's, yeah, yeah. I know there's totally different nuances, but I don't know them. Any movement I latch on to, it, it seems to immediately conjure linear, uh, linear time, progression, goal, mm -hmm. Sure. Better. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And even when it's like being in the present. Oh, but why? Oh, so that you're free later. Like it's, it's, there's, there's, oh, or my therapy or. Right. Um, so that's one thing. And then layered on top, which I know sort of will sound like it blows it out of the water, but um, I've shared before that my son, eight-year-old son died in 19, 2019 of cancer. And so now there's this added element of, you know, wanting good or even if it's the good of meditating to be freer or the good of service sure. to be useful sure. or the good of feeling better yeah, or yeah. the good of going to therapy or grief group or finding work that's useful in the world so added on whoa, whoa, whoa. you have sorry. full permission to want all of that you have but, it's, it's, but it's so craving it's so and i'm constantly on a treadmill and what's blown it out of the water is that the there's a, a thing where like if I get there or if I work towards that now there's this you know just the ultimate sort of existential hope or clinging mm -hmm. that is he'll come back uh -huh. sure and, and that could be like oh I'll be eternally happy or God will love me or whatever the heck or I'll win I, I don't know I'll win but then there's that phenomenon that we're mortal and finite and it's not like I'm nobody's going to win in that regard right but, you're, but I'm going to be oh, happy I don't know how to be right so the whole backdrop of how I functioned is now like compounded by that of course and I just can't figure out how to make effort well you you are making effort you're making effort to even try to understand what the hell to do Okay. Or how to feel better. But the better is like, what? He's not going to come back. No, it's true. He's not going to come back, but you don't know what's going to happen. And you're still trying to, you're still, part of your effort is to really metabolize 
the death of your child, which it may be unmetabolizable. That's what it feels like. And, and, and so you need to trust that for now because it may change later. Again, I worked with people dying and grief groups. So I know yeah, I, yeah, And yeah. I just want to encourage you to be very kind to yourself because it's a very profound process that you're dealing with. It's, it's the biggest grief, I think. And, and it's so heartbreaking. And, and yeah, it's true, right? And, and you have to work with it. There's no getting around that. But how can you do that as kindly as possible in an ongoing way? It's not just, it's like tuning the loop. It's not just once, it's every day, Yeah. every hour. Can you be kind to yourself? Okay. Right, and, and really, really, really find support both from this group and from friends and colleagues and grief group, whatever yeah. helps support you caring for yourself because a lot of people won't understand what this is, right? You know. And okay, and the, the effort in, in some ways is me working with metabolizing, not metabolizing, yeah. being here, tuning, yeah. practice. Yes. And, and, and why, why, I don't know, but. Right, and you, you may not know, but you may know at some point. Okay. And, and who knows, reality, this is one thing I just know from my near death experience, reality is so much wilder than we know. <laughs> It is. It just is wild. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Okay. Let's see. Give it six months. Give it a month. Give it six months. Give it a year. Give it two years. Give it five years. Let's see how it unfolds because we don't know how reality is going to keep revealing itself to you. And especially with the death of your beloved child. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for speaking up in this kind of situation, which is like totally weird that we're not even sitting right next to each other talking about this, but you Thank know, you so much. appreciate it. And really, and really, and I'm going to say this for everybody. We all send you our love and our care. And it's true because it, we all know what this is. We, not that we know what it is, we know that we don't know what this is. And this is like big time dukkha. This is not like the dukkha of, oh, I lost a shoe or, or, you know, I don't have any money in my pocket and I need to buy something. This is, this is serious dukkha. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. take good care. Okay. Yeah, it's, if I may, I'll just I'll just riff on what you said. Oh, Faye, go ahead. I'm gonna go. Go ahead, Faye. Please. Okay. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Faye. Okay. I mean, I'm just kind of reflecting on. I mean, a lot of the words and things that you said at the beginning are also true, and um, like right effort. It's 
challenge. I mean, I think about when I've been on retreat and to stay, like people think, oh, going on retreat, that's nice and relaxing. And yes, it is, but it also takes a lot of effort to stay. Wait, wait, sometimes it's nice and relaxing, but a lot of times it's hard as hell to go on retreat. Okay, yeah, (laughs) yes, yes. Yeah, and it takes a lot of effort to stay mindful. And um, I keep thinking of how you kept bringing in the word and doing it relaxed. Because when I think about right effort and maybe like what Ajahn Chah said something about the effort to be aware and awake Uh in everything we do. Uh And that, that takes a lot of effort (laughs) and how to do that relaxed and in a way how to just do it period because the nature of my mind is to be someplace else than where in the present moment right yeah and that's all part of for most of us that's part of our training is we're all taught how you know you'll get something later well what happened before how do you you know, what happened, you know, two years ago, we're supposed to think about. We're, we're not usually trained to be in the present moment. I mean, I've been, I've been trying to do like when I take a shower in the morning and, uh-huh. and, and to just be, be there. Same uh-huh. with like brushing and flossing my teeth and it's hard. And then the rest of the day is kind of other than when I meditate. Um, I wouldn't say it's real mindful. It's what? I wouldn't say it's very mindful. And I'm just like, how do we bring that into everything we do? How it's, I mean, it's staying awake. It's that remembering, you know? So Um, using small increments of time. Do it for 20 minutes, you know, in cooking. You know, just small, you, I, I shorten the increments of time and then I see, can I do this now for the next 15 minutes? And what happens? And I'm not hard on myself if I don't do it. Right? I'm just aware, oh, I couldn't do it. Why not? Oh yeah, I got it. I started thinking about this and then doing that, and et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, but- the one thing that's I think very cool about it is like I remember those parts of the day very clearly, um, and I still even remember I did a day long, an SFI day long. I don't know how many years ago, and just it was a silent lunch and I ate my food very mindfully and like, I still remember that lunch. Yeah. So do it tomorrow. Eat one meal mindfully. Just one meal tomorrow. And sometimes you need to be fierce about it. And the, the, it, as the practice starts to get more established, you can relax the fierceness, but sometimes you need to be more energetically fierce. Like, okay, I'm gonna eat breakfast and I'm just gonna be mindful the whole time and see what happens. 
I'm actually, I am doing that. I mean, okay. Yeah. Like breakfast I do. So I, I know I tend to be kind of hard on myself, but um, anyways, just cause I know a lot of people weren't raising their hand. I just kind of wanted to speak up because I think it's, it's really challenging. It is. And it's, that's why it's part of the eightfold path. The Buddha was pretty wise about what he put into the path. And so what kind of energy and enthusiasm and effort we make is an important part. So thanks for raising your hand. Yeah, thanks, Eugene. Anybody else before we end? Okay, so let's just sit for a minute to end, offering the merit of our time together. Our good fortune that we have time and community and place and means even in COVID-19 to come together study the Dharma and make the effort to wake up. And uh, offering that good fortune and may it go out in every direction. May the effort we all make go out and support everyone in every realm, in every world. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be free from suffering, free from the wrong efforts. May all beings discover the effort that brings skillfulness, kindness, care, love into our meditation practice and our life. May all beings awaken. May we awaken and discover our Buddha nature, nature of wisdom and compassion. May all beings be free. Usually there's a link in the chat box to 
If you want to make a donation to SF Insight, your generosity is appreciated. Don Neal will be here next week. I'll be here again in two weeks. I think that might be the last time this year. I'm not sure, but I'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Please be well. Thank you, Eugene. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Thanks, everyone. Good night. Take care. Take good care. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.